Good day, everybody, and welcome to Touchline Thoughts, powered by Garage Door Sports Network. I'm your host, Irfan Manji. Today, we'll be going through a handful of EPL teams, including each team's key people or persons, biggest loss or gains, players to target, and comments. Now, I won't be doing this alone today, as I'll be joined by a special guest, but right now, grab your headphones, grab a seat, get comfy, and let's get going. pumped for our first ever episode and i honestly could not have asked for a better guest to join me i'm joined by a dear friend i have known this guy for years he's the host producer owner the mastermind basically behind the garage door sports network including hosting our flagship show garage door sports and co-hosting 20 minutes on ice his soccer background is extensive and he currently plays on the varsity soccer team over at centennial college he's my good pal Robert Nick McVicker. How's it going, man? It's good, man. I'm excited to get this uh, show off the ground. I'm glad you had me on as a guest for the first episode. It's just another pin in the Garage Door Sports Network that we get to build off of, man. Exactly. And you know what? I couldn't have thought of anyone better to, to start the show off with. So I appreciate your, your presence and welcome any feedback and welcome any conversation we have today. You're too All kind. right. So w- why don't we start our first segment? It's called The Starting Eleven. Today's segment turns our attention over to the EPL. Now, I randomized the teams earlier to select who we're going to talk about first, just so we don't, you know, talk about our, our favorites or, our, or you know, a bunch of the main teams. So, actually, first up, based on my randomizer, we have Burnley. Uh, Nick, tell me what you think about Burnley for this upcoming year. Yeah, I mean, Burnley finished off the season last year really, really hot, losing only two of their last 16 matches. Now, yeah, they had a bunch of draws in there, um, but it pushed them up to a mid-table finish. And to be honest, I kind of expect them in that mid to bottom half of the table range again, somewhere in the 10th to 14th place. They didn't really do a whole lot in the transfer market, which not necessarily a bad thing based off how they sort of came together at the end of the season and including the after the COVID break. Um, so I would expect them in that 10 to 14 range, as I said. If you're Sean Deitch, who are you targeting come transfer window or whatever's left of the transfer window? Who do you think they need to get in order to maybe help their chances of staying in that mid-table range rather than dropping into a relegation battle, let's say? I mean, the biggest thing for any, any mid-table team to not drop into the relegation, in my opinion, is always going to be defense. Like, you don't want to have any holes in your defense. I think Burnley, to be honest, is exactly where they're going to be. Uh, I don't see any big moves at the end of this transfer window or even in the January transfer window as of right now. I think that might come as the season sort of goes on. But right now, I don't think they're going to be looking for anybody, honestly. Fair enough. Um, one good thing about Burnley this offseason was they keep strengthening their under-23s. So I guess they have a bright focus or a bright future ahead of them, which is great. And if they can keep their coach there and that sort of mentality, I think Burnley will continue to thrive. Personally, I oh, think... absolutely. And, and you know, personally, Nick, I think they're missing a goal scorer and, and, and some sort of guy who can poach, come off the bench, bring energy and... 
okay, you know, humor me on this, but I think Timo Puki from Norwich's team last year would be a great addition to this team. I think he'd fit under uh, Sean Deitch. I think defensively he could be better, but he could bring in a different dynamic that could help them, you know, squeeze ahead of a Crystal Palace that's stubborn with just a one-man attack, you know? Yeah, no, I, I could see that happening. Um, I, again, I, as I said, I think defense is always a big thing for these middle-table groups, but Timu Puki could be a good shout for one of these mid-table teams as well. Um, I know... Norwich obviously went down and they don't want to lose some of their players, but unfortunately it is what it is. You kind of just have to make, make do. So yeah, yeah Pookie could be one to, one to watch. Absolutely. All right. So we're good with Burnley there. Let's move on to our second team. Let's talk about the Gooners, shall we? The Gooners. Oh, no, not the Gooners. Um, the, they made some big changes uh, with Mikel Arteta coming in as manager last year. Um, seemingly winning the FA Cup under this guy. Uh, still the mistakes that are coming out of that back with David Luiz and he was, you know, given a new contract. How do you see Arsenal really shaping up? I see Arsenal being Arsenal. But I, I, I can't really say much more than that. I think they actually did a good job in the transfer window. Don't get me wrong. I think the additions of Gabriel and Willian are big especially for an attacking team that was literally one player for most of the season. Maybe you can throw in Lacazette, but for the most part, it was all Obama Yang. Adding players that can feed him the ball is is huge. And I think mm-hmm. Willian and Gabrielle can both do that. Um, their defense is still a question mark for me. And when you watch what David Luiz did last season, and you hand him a new contract, I get really confused. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know how that happens, you honestly. Both, man, holy hell. It, um, it doesn't make sense. And the, the, the only difference I think I've noticed with David Luiz being in the fold is that he'll make a mistake, but the guys on the team know he's going to make that mistake, and they're able to cover him. Like I don't know if you remember that Chelsea final or you remember uh, the Community Shield there. He made a bunch of really stupid plays, but you had guys in the midfield like Granite Xhaka dropping back. You had um, Obama Yang coming a little bit deeper to, to come and support. So I think they know what they're going to get out of that defense. But adding Gabriel and adding, you know, a different system under Mikel Arteta might be the way to, to nullify any sort of David Luiz mess ups. But again, that's a huge question mark with Arsenal and um, the perspective that we're going to see from them this year. Yeah, I mean, um, we also have to talk about they did bring in two center backs. Well, yes. one technically because they had Pablo Mari, who was on loan last season. He is back uh, yes. after an $8 million transfer. And they also brought in Gabriel. I'm going to screw up this name, but I'm going to try it anyway. Magales yes. um, from Lille. So he was a big transfer, $28 million for that transfer right there. I think he will be good. Mm-hmm. It's just if they play him with David Luiz, is it really worth it? No, and that's why if you're going to be Arsenal and you don't want to be stingy at this point, I think a defender might be their best bet. You know, go ahead, get a get a defender that can keep a, a striker in their pocket. And the guy that I think of who's probably the most popular one for any team to, to target here is Leipzig's defender, uh, Dayot Upambacano. I hope I said that correctly. Upo Makano. Yeah, exactly. The oh, guy we're talking is... about him later. Oh, I hope so. 
I hope so, but he'd be the hot commodity, I think, if he you're going to shell out money. But I'm just saying, in, in reality, if you're able to shell out the money and offer something for this kid, that could be a potential option. Not saying that, you know, the kid would want to go to Arstall. No offense to our Gooner listeners, but there's more problems there than, than really. And I think if they can, I think they're, they're okay, right? I think they're okay with what they've done. But that biggest storyline I want to ask you is, do you think Mesut Ozil plays again for Arsenal? Do I think he plays again at some point? Yes. Okay. Do I think he plays again in the EPL or a big competition? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, he's on the outs with Arteta. And unfortunately, once you get on the wrong side of a manager, you're kind of screwed. And it's yeah. not, not really a shot at Ozil. And it's not necessarily a shot at Arteta. Arteta has an idea of where he wants to go. Unfortunately, Ozil doesn't fit the bill. No, especially um, with the way that he wants his team to play. It, it exactly. might not work anymore. And it's just like sometimes you have to say to yourself that this marriage doesn't last. But I yeah. uh, want to add one more thing on the defensive end. Absolutely. Arsenal does have a lot of center backs signed. Eight, in fact, signed center backs, including yeah. David Luiz. They have options and they have some good options. Like Callum Chambers is young. He's yeah. a 25-year-old. Well, I shouldn't say young. He's 25. Well, Rob yeah. Holding's 24. Yeah. They still have Socrates. He's still there. He's a little bit slower. Um, and then they have this young guy who I think is going to be a key if he stays and doesn't go back out on loan in William Saliba. And mm-hmm. if they can find a way to get him involved in the main roster, yeah. they will be fine. I just think if they're relying on David Luiz instead of Saliba, that's where they're going to have problems. And it's still the Gunners, so they'll still finish outside the top four. <laughs> um, I have them I have them in a fifth-place finish. Like That's my right. most likely spot for Arsenal is fifth. Fair. And, and, and you know what? They, they could go up into the fourth with somebody slipping up, but they can also be Arsenal and get a Europa League position, right? Yeah. They're not as bad All as right. Tottenham. <laughs> we'll get to that very shortly um let's move on let's talk about the team that made the biggest transfer splash you know who i'm talking about they're the blues chelsea um they went in and got five fantastic players in my opinion you and 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 i'm tossing tiago silva on that because of his history as a player um yep. hi uh, you have uh Ziyech, Werner, uh, Chilwell, Havertz, um, Silva. So that's five major, major changes for a team that relied on their on their youth last year. What happens with Chelsea, in your opinion, this year? Chelsea are going to be good, and they're going to be dangerous. Like that attacking front four, I'll call it, because I really don't know what formation they're going to use just yet, is going to be fun to watch. And this is coming from a United fan. That that front <laughs> four is going to be fun to watch is very hard for me to say. But Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, and Zayech are all very, very good young players. They're not great yet, but that's, I think, the whole point. Then you get to add in... Sorry, I guess Zayech is 27, so he's not necessarily a young player, but I digress. Mm-hmm. Then you add in the American 
who's already been there for a while with Chelsea in Christian Pulisic. Oh, good. They have more attacking. And oh, yeah, we forgot about Tammy Abraham, who is the king of goal scoring. And oh, yeah, Mason Mount. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, they still have Victor Moses. Like, <laughs> I could go on just on attacking players alone. For sure. And this doesn't include some of the young guys that they have on the defensive end, like Ruben Loftus Cheek and Billy Gilmore and yeah. Bakayoko. They have players, they have good players. Yeah. But their problem will be and is still a question on the defense. It's very similar to Arsenal. Yeah. I don't trust their defense fully yet. They added some good pieces in Malong Star. They have, as you mentioned, Thiago Silva. And yeah. they also added Ben Chilwell. My problem with the Chilwell signing is necessarily what formation they're going to want to use because Chelsea used a lot of three center back formations, which means Chilwell is sort of not involved. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. Mm. They also have Aspilicueta and Reese James as right backs. Um, and currently Aspilicueta is the captain. Yeah. So that means they're probably playing a four, four back system. It's very different than backs. their approach from before. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think it'll just be interesting. And I don't, necessarily think Thiago Silva is as big of a get as some people think like he looked slow in games for PSG this year and in the EPL when you have a lot of teams that try to use the wings with speed slow necessarily isn't the best thing but it'll be interesting Mm -hmm. and and I think I agree with you again it's a question mark when you're coming out of that thing when you're in January you're going to need healthy bodies in the back end you're going to get creativity that you know you the good part about them going forward is, you know, you take Tammy Abraham off, you can put Werner on vice versa. Like they have that depth now, but that defense is a question. The reason I like Thiago Silva coming into it is the fact that he's experienced. Oh, for sure. He, he might be a better option than Andreas Christensen for, for a while until, you know, he gets his feet under him. Uh, He might be able to mentor a guy like Kurt Zuma, Who's who's arguably ready to go? He just needs a little bit more experience and a little bit more help on that back end to make that smart defensive outlet. And I and I imagine the minute he's comfortable with being in the air, uh, having the ball at his feet, especially with a guy like Silva, who's played with Marquinhos, who's great with the ball. Um, he's played with Marcelo, who's great with the ball. You know, for that Brazilian team. So you're looking at sort of that balance that. Chelsea doesn't have yet, and I think they will have. And for me personally, they they finish in a top three position if you know they stay hungry and are able to outscore their opponents. All yeah, right. I think I had them. I I see a third place finish at best. Okay. Um, but I could also see them dropping down to sixth. Okay. Just depending on how that defense works and that god awful goalkeeping of Kepa. Well, in, in news for that, though, Lampard said, uh, said that he backs his keeper. So, hey, something Which maybe they've worked out. Which means he's going to be sent away after they get Mendy. <laughs> All right, no, we'll you think I'm kidding. I, will, I am like 95% sure that Mendy will end up with Chelsea before the season is before the end of this transfer window. And he's, and he's going to be the starting uh, goalkeeper? God, yeah, because the only other keeper that they have on the roster is Caballero. 
All right, there we go. You heard it from Nick first that uh, Kepa will not be the number one. Um, all right, we'll move on here. And that will uh, make my buddies really happy, my Chelsea friends. Oh, they'll be happy with somebody who isn't going to yell at their coach or act like a complete twit. All right, <laughs> moving on there. Uh, let's talk Spurs. Uh, we've got okay. um, let's talk some Spurs here. Uh, the way I see Spurs kind of playing out is how long can Mourinho keep his cool or without saying something stupid? That's basically it for me. Like Spurs, uh, thank you uh, for our listeners here. Nick just said zero. Uh, I have to agree with him. But realistically, this team runs on how Mourinho's temperament is, unfortunately. Um, Which he doesn't they lost have. Yet. No, and he does Agreed. Um, Jan Vertonghen leaving, I think, is going to be a, a miss for them when the season progresses. Um, Deli Ali isn't as good as he was three years ago. Harry Kane hasn't been healthy or fully healthy for long periods of time. They're missing secondary scoring. I'm a little worried about them, personally. Um, how do you see them shaping up here? The addition of Giovanni Lo Celso is good. I know he was technically on the roster last year, but now he's like officially a uh, spur that as after they purchased him um, in the, in the transfer window. <sighs> Let's put it this way. As good as Hugo Lloris is, their backup is Joe Hart. <laughs> as good as Toby Alderweireld is, yeah. their backup to him is Davison Sanchez, who's yeah. 24. And I honestly, I think I've seen him play once. Um, he played during one, the, the last fourth. Yeah. One fourth. That's yeah. that's not good. Danny Rose is a good left back. Matt Doherty is a good right back. Serge Aurier is a good right back, but not none of them are great. Danny Rose was not given a number this year, so he might not be a Spurs player. Oh, I have him listed as number three. Oh, well, there was news a couple of days ago that he was not given a number. Um, we'll, I'll confirm that a little later, but... Um. Yeah. What happens if they lose a left back there? <laughs> I mean, thankfully they have Ryan Sessegnon. Yeah. On the roster too, but they have him listed as a left midfielder. Uh, Gettison Fernandez is a a good center mid, not a great center mid to go with Lo Celso or Ndombele. But they, I don't know if they trust Ndombele. I don't know if they trust Eric Dyer. Honestly, no. Harry Winks is a good young player, but again, do they trust him? I don't know. <laughs> Like it's it's a lot of question marks, and really the only two things that I know for sure about Tottenham. Well, sorry, I have three things that I know for sure. Hugo Lloris is going to be elite because it's Hugo Lloris. I trust him. I agree. Harry Kane, okay. when he's on the field, is a game changer. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. In my mind, I think when he's on the field, he's a game changer. And the only other player that on this team that I am ge- genuinely scared of scoring is uh, Hyungmin Song. That's it. That is the only three things about Tottenham that I know. And they're Tottenham. And because of all that, I think they fall out of European spots and they end up 7th or 10th. Somewhere between there, I should say. Not 7th or 10th. Somewhere between 7th and 10th. Okay. All right. Uh, I can't argue with that. I mean, the only reason I would put them a little bit higher, personally, is because I think Mourinho has a way to find and snatch some victories. They don't like him. What the hell is he doing here? I know we talked about this on our on our flagship show there. I think it's the dumbest signing for a manager to go to Spurs ever, but that is a different conversation for a different day, so we'll leave that later on. 
Um, that update for Danny Rose, by the way, uh, he's close to a five million pound move to Genoa. So okay. we have as of right now, he's the number three. <laughs> as of now. All right, so that's it with Spurs. I'm glad we're not going to give Mourinho more time than that. Let's talk Hammers. West Ham. Last year, West Ham struggled down the stretch. They relied on uh, Mikel Antonio to get at least 80% of their goals or something like that. What do you think happens to this team? I see a bottom half finish once again. Mm -hmm. I don't think necessarily relegation, but they didn't do much. Like they, they brought in three players and one of them was just a return from loan. Uh, <laughs> Thomas Sushek is the defensive mid that they brought in. I think he's going to be a very good piece uh, with Declan Rice. The two of them are going to form a pretty good pair. And I think they end up probably going with a uh, four at the back, two defensive mid, uh, three attacking mid with one striker sort of set up. Yeah. Is that... Is that too many people? No, that's right. No, it sounds about right. No, it's good. Um, I or think two, that three. might be how it ends up playing out because I don't really think they have a true center forward. Like Holler is there, Holler and Mikel Antonio are their two center forwards. Mm-hmm. They got Jack Wilshire, right? Like yeah, they don't have a whole not... lot of attacking on no. the defensive end. They're okay. They're not great. They're gonna get mm-hmm. beat. Like, not gonna lie. So. I think they're going to lean heavily on Lucas Fabianski to bail them out a lot. Oh, yeah. and he's not, he's definitely not the worst keeper in the league. Keppa. No. <laughs> um, but, no, he's, but not, realistic, he's not an elite. Yeah. No. And I have to agree with you there. I think the biggest thing going for West Ham, well, actually two, I think they need a massive turnover on players. They need to figure out their identity. They haven't had very good buys over the last four or five years. Obviously, they've had many managers go in and out. And, you know, my biggest thing here is David Moyes' leash is very, very, very small. Very small, in my opinion. Uh, and we'll we'll get to that in, our, in, our, in another time. But I don't know. I have them finishing in the bottom three, or at least in a relegation battle. I don't have any faith in a team that was very, very lucky, in my opinion, to get through last year from, you know, they got some goals. Great. But I don't know if it's going to continue. To me, they're the new Sunderland, where you know they might manage to stay in the bottom five for relegation battle every year for a consistent amount of time. Even though you know two years ago they were top ten, top twelve. Um, to me, I don't have an outlook or a positive outlook for this well, team. Like, uh, again, I think they have some good pieces, just not anything great, and that's the problem: is that they have some pieces. I don't know if they need a complete overhaul of the roster. I think they need to bring in a, a couple pieces. And one that they are rumored to be close to getting is James Tokarski from uh, Burnley. Burnley. Yeah. Uh, he's a center back. He was first in clearances completed last year in the Premier League. First in headed clearances, second in block shots, third in duels one, and third in aerial duels one. That would be a huge get for this Hammers team who will be facing a lot of pressure on the defensive end. If they can slide him into center back, I, I'm very, very confident in my rankings of 12 to 16th. For sure. And and I can also see that happening if they are able to pay that $50 million, $60 million for a British player. We, British players are going to be overpriced. junctures. Um, I also think that if they're unable to get this big guy here from Burnley, 
a guy like Chris Smalling, who had a good year for Roma last year, could be something go. that can he won't go. But I'm just saying that that's a possibility. No, I get what you're saying for sure. For somebody cheaper, right? Somebody a little bit older, but somebody a little bit cheaper that might help them get to that next stage. Their defense looks much better, let's say. And then Tarkarski decides to say, you know what? I actually want to make this move now because there's someone I know I can play with. Just a little thought out there, but I don't see that happening. I'm just throwing out Chris Smalling because it clear, clear to me that he might not be a United player for much longer. Which sucks because I really like him and I I hope, I kind of wish that he could go back to Roma where he wants to play, but totally sidetracked. We'll come back to that. Awesome. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Crystal Palace. Okay. Um, their key player. <laughs> the Blue Eagles. Their key player here. Yeah, their key player here is Zaha. You know, my question every year is how long does Zaha stay or when does he leave? Like, that's just the biggest story coming out of Crystal Palace. The only thing I know I'm going to get out of Crystal Palace is one nothing games, 0-0 games. It's going to be boring as hell. And then Wilford Zaha is going to find some space, score a goal, and that's the end of it. How do you think? How do you see them shaping up? That's a great question. Um, I'm actually going to talk about two players that they brought in that I really like. Um, you know, you mentioned Zaha. I'm going to go on the attacking end as well. And they brought in Michi Batshuayi on mm-hmm. loan from Chelsea. I think that's a huge get because um, he was sort of on the outs at Chelsea. But this kid has talent. Um, and then they also brought in. Abrechi Essay from QPR. And I know he was playing in the championship last season, um, but his stats were ridiculous for an attacking mm-hmm. midfielder. So I'm very, very confident in his ability to come in and play um, offensive uh, football for this Crystal Palace team. Like he made, he, he scored 14 goals and had eight assists in 46 matches last year in the championship for, for QPR. That's good. Those are good stats for an attacking mm-hmm. midfielder. That's not necessarily elite level, obviously, but it's good. And I think having him in will be a huge boost. I don't know what else they brought in is that is going to help the roster, honestly. No. They're just there's there's holes in this roster. Yeah. Um and I see them finishing near the bottom, possibly fighting for relegation. I have them in that like sixteen to eighteen range. All right. Not bad. Not bad. They're going to bore us to death, I'll tell you that. But at least oh, the, God, yeah. the, the the attacking midfield or the attack will look a little bit better with these two additions that Nick just mentioned in um, Batushai and Ezi. All right. Let's, uh, I think that was good. Let's talk a little bit about Sheffield United, a team that surprised a lot of us last year in finishing pretty well. A great defensive unit. Um, able to change formations on the fly. They pissed off some teams. Um, do you think that continues? Do I think that continues? Yes. They're going to piss teams off. Absolutely. Do I think they're going to be good? Absolutely not. <laughs> Listen, Ampadu, who's on loan from Chelsea again, because they had him last year, is obviously a good get. And you pair him with any of your center backs that you have, because they have John Egan back there. They have Jack O'Connell. Uh, Chris Basham is also there. And Phil, the old man, Phil Jagielka, who's somehow still in the league at 38. Um, you pair him with one of them, you're good. 
He also has the ability to play center defensive mid. I don't think they'll ever play him there because they have enough defensive mids on their roster. Um, but they didn't do a whole lot. And I think that's going to be where it comes down to is that they don't have much. And the offense is holy. Like, they don't have – there's literally nothing there. As much as people like David McGoldrick, and he's fun to watch, he's not – he's 32 and – he doesn't have the legs to compete. So I see them finishing in that 16 to 18th place range as well. Um, they did bring in two goalkeepers. I should say that um, mm-hmm. Aaron Ramsdale from Bournemouth and Wes Fodderingham from um, uh, Rangers. Yeah. But I just don't think that tips the scales enough on the defensive end to, to cover the offensive problems no that's so true i think ramsdale does not do what henderson did last year for them like you need a stellar keeper i mean ramsdale's good i don't think he'll do what henderson did for sheffield last year i do like one pickup that they made aside from their goalkeepers it's olivia sorry oliver burke he's a left-sided midfielder um played with west brom the last few years i think he's a good Good player, good piece, but again, that depth is lacking. I think they're they need another defensive sort of spearhead there. You know, a guy like Godfrey, for example, from Norwich would be a some somebody to look at. And I know I'm plucking away at the teams that relegated last year, but these players, they're good. Um, you look over at United again, um, and I pull a player from them, but Tuanzebe, who barely played last year, go out on loan. I think he would be a good piece just to play in a defensive system, improve his defensive game. But again, I agree with you. I think they're going to be in that relegation battle. I don't think their their depth is good enough, um, especially with that poor play when the season returned after the big hiatus there. Um, they they weren't really good. So no. I think that trend continues, and I agree with you. They're going to piss the big teams off for sure, but, but they're going to scrap with the bottom teams, and they're going to lose out. Okay, yeah, no, let's, you're exactly right. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about... The team that brought in Jaime Rodriguez under a man by the name of Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah, that's right. I'm talking about the blue of Liverpool, Everton. Jaime Rodriguez coming in. <laughs> uh, coming in, red. they picked him. They are. I mean, bias is bias can be. Uh, but they, they have a better mid, mid, midfield going into this year. When, um, Takure, uh, Allen, and Jaime's, um Leighton Baines retire, so they lose a leader. But other than that, you see them playing out. I think you're you're right with your assessment of the midfield and bringing in those three players is huge. Hamish Rodriguez is a big one for me because um, he was never ever given a chance at Real, and then he went off on loan to Bayern, and they're like, oh yeah, he's going to get given a chance, and then they brought in three players the same to play the same position, and he wasn't even given a chance there. He will now be given a chance at Everton. There's there's no yes. doubt about it in my mind. There's no one in that attacking position, like they had Gilfie Sigurdsson last year as their attacking mid. Listen, as good as Gilfie Sigurdsson is, if Hamish Rodriguez plays like half of his ability from the 2016 World Cup, he's he's fine. Like I'm not too well, concerned. Take it. Right? Yeah. So, or sorry, 2014 World Cup. 2014, yeah, no problem. My bad. Or they can also play him out wide, which is another uh, bonus to have. And they could still keep Gilfrey Sigurdsson in their lineup. Like Hamish Rodriguez is that flexible player who can play out wide if they need him to. Um, 
I think he fits into this. He can also play as a false nine if, uh, you know. Exactly. And I think if you're looking on the defensive end is where I think they'll have some interesting transitions. Um, They've been rumored to be getting uh, Tamori from Chelsea. Now that one's not confirmed that it's going to happen, but there's a good chance that it happens because he's sort of on the outs on that center back lineup at Chelsea. Um, If they bring him in, imagine him in a center back pair with, you know, one of Michael Keane, Yari Mina, even Mason Holgate. That's a pretty good center back combo of any of the four of them. And that means you have flexibility. You don't have to play the same two every game and not feel confident in your next two. Like you have those guys who can go in and play. Um, Seamus Coleman is going to be their right back. And he's a very, very experienced player on this roster, 31 years old. And then you got Digne on the left side. Their Mm -hmm. defense actually is probably going to be pretty good. And it's going to be sitting in front of the young English keeper, Jordan Pickford. And right there, you're looking at a very good roster. Exactly. Completely agree with you on that. They've revamped. They look good. And let's let's hope that for the blue side of the Merseyside, uh, they're able to challenge for a top four. Um, I could see them probably in the six to nine, six to ten range. Let's move on. Let's talk about Brighton Albion. They brought in Adam Lalana on free transfer. That's about it. What can you tell me about Brighton there, Nick? They had two additions, really, and that was about it, um, at least in my uh, personal opinion. You already said Adam Lalana, and he is going to be um, a good piece. I think he was actually here last year on on loan, and now he's actually fully here. If I remember no, correctly, I could be totally was, wrong with that. No, he was injured for the most part of last year, but he was still with Liverpool. Okay. Then it was um, Tariq Lamptey that um, was... He was brought in in January, um, and I don't know how much he really got to play, but having a full season with him at right back could be huge. Um, they also did bring in Veltman. I, I shouldn't uh, gloss over that, the center back from Ajax. He's not someone that can be just glossed over. He's a very good center back, and pairing him with Lewis Dunk could could be the biggest move for this Brighton squad. Um, other than that, they didn't do a whole lot. Um, and for a team that finished 15th, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because mm-hmm. that means there was three teams that dropped out of the division. Three teams came up. Some of the other teams got worse. Some of the other teams got better. I actually see them finishing exactly 15th again. Why? Don't know. But that's just a feeling I have. Yeah. Or they're probably better than most to stay up, but they're also not great to, to compete anywhere higher so i can see why you think that there um all right let's go to our last team of this episode uh and it is the newly promoted a team we have been waiting for for a very very long time leeds united is back ladies and gentlemen leeds united is back in the epl nick finally what do you think my man i like the makeup of the team i don't necessarily have any players on this that are gonna super stand out in my opinion um, bringing in Rodrigo over from Valencia is obviously big for a newly promoted side. But other than that, it's just going to be a well-coached, hard-nosed Leeds United team. Like, they're not going to blow you out of the water with any, like, crazy names or any big moves. And they really didn't have any big moves. So, yeah, I think they're just going to frustrate 
a lot of the good teams and really play well against the bottom teams to the point where I could see them at their best finishing eighth. More realistic, it's probably going to be like a 9 through 12 finish for them. Mm -hmm. But if they play as well as they did in week one, where they lost 4-3 to Liverpool at Anfield, the sky's the limit really for this Leeds squad. Mm -hmm. And and I know you just mentioned Liverpool. That was unfortunate to give up a penalty late in the game. But other than that, they were toe-to-toe with the champions. Um, I personally see Calvin Phillips being a super important player. For this Leeds team in that in that midfield, just in front of the defense. Um, so often we've seen teams transition into having somebody who sits in front of that that defense, uh, being able to drop in, go up. Uh, you know, we see Fabinho do that. We see Jorginho do that. Rodri does that. So this sort of makeup that Leeds has, I think, I think, and I agree with you, they'll finish in that eight to twelve range. But there's so much upside to this team. Uh, I think the fans want them to succeed after so many years, you know, dwindling in in the lower league. So congratulations. Welcome back, Leeds. And you know what, my man, that concludes our starting 11. Uh, We will continue the rest of the teams in our next episode. But before we sign off, we'll do a quick segment called Off the Bench. So in spirit, in the spirit, I should say, of the five substitution role, Uh, Nick and I have five major storylines or five major stories, I should say, from the last week or so. So, Nick, start it off, my man. Absolutely. Yeah. And the big thing I want to do is congratulations, European champions. Got three of them that I'm going to talk about. Sevilla won the European League. Um, Hey, guess what? It's happened again and again and again. It's their fourth title in the last seven years. Congrats to them on the title of continuous winners. How about that Lyon women's team? My goodness gracious, they are good. Fourth, uh, seven titles in the last five years, five in a row, mind-blowing. And then, of course, the Bayern Munich beast that is winning the treble. Canadian Alfonso Davies continued his fantastic season and has become basically one of the best left backs in the world. And everyone is now noticing congratulations to a kid who was playing left wing last year. Yeah. Well, for us, he's, he's always been great. So I'm glad the world gets to see him shine there. All right. In the FAWSL, Manchester United WFC signed Tobin Heath and Christian press who are both phenomenal U S women's talents. Uh, Manchester city WFC signed Alex Greenwood and Lucy bronze two former proven winners with Lyon. Chelsea signed Denmark star Pernille Hatter, who was fantastic over the last couple of years in Wolfsburg. Honestly, the European League, the women's leagues are getting better each and every year. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, my concern is that the NWSL is losing top-tier players, but that's a whole other issue. And we'll get into that at some point, I'm sure. You'll get into that at some point, I'm sure. But yeah, it's, it's kind of concerning for the NWSL, but really great for the FAWSL. Um, speaking of women's soccer... Dortmund announced that they're going to have a women's team uh, starting in 2021-22, which is awesome. Another big club starting a, uh, a women's side is always a good thing. Wonderful. Uh, Bayern Munich and Sevilla play in the Super Cup on September 24th, so in about eight days' time. So if you want to take any interest in that game and you want to see a little bit of Alfonso Davies, then that's the game for you. And last but not least, Lionel Messi is staying at Barca after all the fun saga that was and all the talk of him going to City or all these other places. It's not going to happen. There's a 700 million pound release clause. No one's paying that. 
I don't care how wealthy you are, Man City. It's not happening. Um, so he'll have to stay for one more year, and then at the end of next season, he'll be free to go, and he will run as fast as he can to the airport and figure out where he's going once he gets there. Oh, all right, that concludes our segment called Off the Bench. All right, so you know what, Nick? This ends our first ever episode of Touchline Thoughts. I'm so grateful that you were able to join. But you know what, guys? That's not it. Nick's going to join us next episode. We're going to finish off the rest of the teams. We're going to give you the predictions of who we think will win the whole EPL and who may not be around next season. We we sort of alluded to that earlier, but we're going to finish that conversation soon. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Give us a like or leave a rating. You can follow us on Twitter at TouchlineTH. You can follow me. And Irfan Manch, you can follow Nick at Nick McVicker. And don't forget to follow our network at Garage Door Sport or check out garagedoorsports.com. Thank you to Nick. Thank you all for listening. See you next match day. Cheers. <laughs>